Chapter Eight of the Little Colonel's House Party. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Erli Maria Hoftenquester. The Little Colonel's House Party by Annie Fellows Johnston. Chapter Eight. The Gypsy Fortune Teller. There had fallen pause in the round of merrymakings. After a week of picnics and fishing parties, law fate and tennis tournaments, there came a day for which no special entertainment had been planned. It was a hot morning, and the girls were out under the trees. Betty in the swing with a book in her lap as usual, Joyce in a camp store nearby, making a sketch of her and eugenia swinging idly in the hammock the little colonel had been swinging with her but something had called her to the house and a deep silence fell on the little group after her departure betty lost in a book and joyce intent on a sketch did not seem to notice it but presently eugenia sat up in the hammock and gave her pillow an impatient thump phew how deadly stupid it is here she exclaimed i'm glad i don't have to live in the country the year round nothing to do nothing to see i turn into a vegetable in a little while and strike root i wish something exciting would happen for i'm bored stiff betty looked up from her story in astonishment why i think it's lovely here she cried i'd never get tired of locusts in a hundred years eugenia smiled a pitying amused sort of smile that brought a flush to betty's cheek there was a tinge of a snare in it that seemed to say oh you poor thing of course you like it you never known any better betty's eyes went back to her book again eugenia trusting one little foot from a mass of pink ruffles gave an impatient push against the ground with the toe of her slipper which set the hammock to swinging violently oh, she yawned discontently i wish that we could go down to the gypsy camp that we passed yesterday so do i agreed joyce it looked so picturesque with the tents and the white covered wagons and that old crone bending over the campfire i know a woman at home who had a fortune told by a gypsy and every single thing that was told her came true i wonder how they can tell said eugenia by the lines in their hands it is as plain as the alphabet to some people they can tell how long you're going to live, whether you'll be married or not, and what sort of a future you're to have. They say that there are some lines in your hands that means wealth, and some health, and there are stars for success, and crosses for losses, and all sorts of signs. Oh, how interesting, cried Betty, again pausing the story and spreading out her little brown hands to examine them eugenia held up one of her slim palms and studied it intently tracing the lines with a tapering white forefinger here's a star in my hand she cried excitedly and all sorts of queer lines and marks that i never noticed before i wonder which is the marriage line oh girls i'm just wild to have my fortune told let's ride down to the camp before lunch costs too much said joyce holding a sketch up at an arm's length and studying the effect through half-shut eyes rob moore said that his brother edward went over to the camp with the party several nights ago and they had to pay a dollar apiece that bars me out for dollars don't grow on bushes at my house besides 
Bob said and his brother said that they're not real gypsies. The people around here think they're a set of strolling horse thieves. Mr. Edwards says that the old woman looks like a Florida cracker and talks like one too. But she wows that she's the seventh daughter of a seventh daughter and was born on the banks of the Nile. That settles it, cried Eugenia. I'm going. She turned the sparkling rings on her finger and watched them reflect a light as she spoke. We'll all go. It will be my treat. I haven't touched my allowance since I've been here, and Papa gave me ten dollars more than usual this month. There isn't any place to spend money here but the grocery and the meat shop, and it's burning a hole in my purse. Only four dollars for all of us. That isn't very much. Only four dollars, thought Betty, letting startled eyes and thinking of the five nickels with which she had set forth her journey. It seemed a fortune. Say that you'll go, insisted Eugenia. I'll think you mean things if you don't, but it will give me more pleasure to take you than anything I can possibly think of. Yes, I'll be glad to go, said Joyce. It's awfully sweet of you to stand treat, Eugenia. I think so too, exclaimed Betty, adding her thanks. Joyce rose, gathering up her sketching materials. Are you going to the house? asked Eugenia. Then ask Lloyd if she won't send word to Ella to saddle the ponies and tell her we want her to take a short ride with us before lunch. Don't say where we're going. We'll surprise her. All right, answered Joyce, moving off down the path. And Joyce, called Eugenia after her. Please tell Elliot to brush my hat and put some new laces in my boots. I'll be there by the time the ponies are at the house. Don't you think it'll be fun? She added, turning to Betty, when they were left alone. In the role of Lady Bountiful, she felt very friendly and gracious. Yes, indeed, cried Betty. I think it will be perfectly lovely. It is so generous of you, Eugenia, to spend so much for our pleasure. Oh, that's nothing, answered Eugenia loftily. Plenty more where that came from. On the way to the house, Joyce met Miss Sherman driving towards there in a dog cart. Do you want to drive down to the post office with me? she asked there is room for one more joyce shook her head and walked on singing gaily over her shoulder are the fish to fry so it can't be i thank you kindly ma'am eugenia elizabeth do either of you want to go miss sherman asked stopping the dog-cart beside the hammock no i believe not thank you said eugenia languidly it's so hot this morning Betty's mouth and eyes both opened in astonishment at the excuse Eugenia gave, and her godmother smiled at the sight. Well, Elizabeth, she said playfully, I see that you're not going to leave me in the lurch. I knew that I wouldn't have to go begging far for company. Oh, I'd love to go, godmother, cried Betty, if it was only any other time. But I've just been invited to ride over to the gypsy camp with the girls. To the gypsy camp? echoed miss sherman in surprise why are you going there to have our fortunes told answered the unsuspicious child adding gratefully isn't it good of you Gina? she's going to pay for all of us a smothered exclamation broke from eugenia's lips and she darted an angry look at betty there was a shadow of annoyance on miss sherman's face as she saw it but you mustn't go there she said i'm sorry to have to disappoint you but i couldn't think for a moment of allowing lloyd to go there they were a rough low set of people gamblers and horse thieves 
it wouldn't be proper for you little girls to go near them i intended to mention the matter to lloyd when i first heard that they had camped in the valley and tell her to avoid taking you on any of the roads leading to the camp but i forgot it until you had ridden away it would have worried me all the time you were out had i not known that lloyd is a discreet child for her age and she heard so much said about them when they were here last summer i've never thought to mention it since that first day i'm sorry said eugenia i had set my heart on having my fortune told miss sherman tapped the wheel of the dog-cart with the lash of a whip and sat considering presently she said of course there isn't any truth in the fortunes they tell one person knows just as much about the future as another but i'm sorry for your disappointment for i know at your age such things are entertaining how would it do for me to call at miss allison mcintyre's while i'm out and ask her to come up to dinner to-night she's a great friend of mine and knows enough about palmistry to tell some very interesting fortunes she can amuse young people better than any one i ever knew her two nephews malcolm and keith mcintyre came out from louisville for a short visit yesterday and i'll invite them too they're jolly boys and i'm sure you'll find them far more entertaining than any of the gypsies what do you say to that plan will it make up for the disappointment yes indeed answered betty and eugenia smiled her approval for she had heard lloyd talk about the mcintyre boys and had been hoping to see them but when miss sherman had driven on she turned to betty with an angry face cattle tail she said in a sneering tone why did you go and spoil everything if you had kept still we could have gone and nobody would have been the wiser now it will be no end of trouble to get there without her finding it out you don't mean that you're going after all that godmother has said cried betty with a look of horror in her big brown eyes why a wild arab wouldn't treat his host with such a disrespect as that after he'd eaten his salt eugenia's black eyes flashed dangerously yes miss prunes and prisms i'm going i don't care what you say i've made up my mind to have my fortune told by the seventh daughter of a seventh daughter that was born on the banks of the nile and all the king's horses and all the king's men can't make me change it again it is foolish of cousin elizabeth to be so particular and i'm going to do as i please i always do at home no matter what papa says i've never had to mind anybody all my life and i'll certainly not begin it now that i'm in my teens it is all nonsense about it not being proper for us to go to the camp cousin elizabeth is mighty nice and sweet but she's no foggy to talk that way and she needn't think she stopped me i may not get there to-day but i'll go to the camp before i go back to new york if it's the last thing i do she sprang out of the hammock and walked hoarsely down the path her head held high and her pink ruffle switching angrily from side to side betty followed at a safe distance reaching the house in time to see joyce and lloyd come down ready for their ride she would have made some excuse to stay at home if she thought that eugenia intended to carry out her plans at once but thinking that she would surely not attempt it until a later day she mounted with the others and started down the avenue at the gate as they turned into the public road they spied a noisy little cavalcade racing down the pike towards them 
Rob Moore led the charge, and two strangers were following hard behind. It's the McIntyre boys, exclaimed the little colonel, shading her eyes with her hand, and then half turning in her saddle to explain to the girls. It's Malcolm and Keith. You'll like them. They stayed out here with their grandmother one whole winter, and they used to come up to her house a lot. You remember I told you about them. They brought that pet bear from a tramp, and nearly frightened me to death at the Valentine's party. I went into a dark room, where it was tied up, and i didn't know it was there till it stood up on its hind feet and it came at me i nearly lost my mind i was so scared oh yes cried joyce i saw the pictures all dressed up like little knights when they were in the tableau she surveyed them with great interest as the cloud of dust they were raising rapidly drew nearer which one was it that ran away with you in a handcar and nearly let the locomotive run over you asked betty that was Keith, the youngest one. He's on the black horse. And which one gave you the silver arrow? asked Eugenia. Malcolm, answered the little colonel, putting up her hand to feel the little pin that had fastened her sailor collar. Oh, she's got it on now, exclaimed Eugenia, turning to laugh over her shoulder at the other girls. See how red her face is? I believe he's her sweetheart. It's no such thing cried the little colonel angrily eugenia forbes you are the biggest goose i ever saw mother says it's silly for children to talk about having sweethearts we're just good friends it isn't silly insisted eugenia i've two sweethearts who send me flowers and candy and write me notes and they're just as jealous of each other as they can be then i'd be ashamed to brag of it cried the little colonel angry that her mother's opinion had been so flatly contradicted but there was no time for a quarrel the boys had come up with them and lloyd had to make the necessary introductions eugenia thought she had never seen two handsomer boys or any one with more courtly manners and as malcolm rode along beside her she wished that molly and fay and cal could see her nightly escort joyce and keith followed and betty and rob brought up the rear the little colonel led the way at the station she turned saying which way do you all want to go have you ever been down by the gypsy camp asked malcolm we boys passed that way a little while ago and they were playing on banjos and dancing and having a fine old time it's quite a sight oh yes let's go cried eugenia i'm wild to see it and have my fortune told joyce and i were talking about it a little while before we started you want to go don't you joyce she called back over her shoulder what's that she answered to the gypsy camp course i thought that that was where we had decided to go when we started she had been in the house when miss sherman had discussed the matter with eugenia and betty and was wholly unconscious that there was any objections to their going i'm afraid mother might not want us to go said lloyd maybe it would be better to wait until another day and ask her Rob and Betty had fallen a little behind the others, having spied a bunch of four-leafed clovers, and Rob had dismounted to pick them, so they did not hear the discussion that followed. Lloyd was not willing to go without her mother's permission, remembering what had been said about the camp the previous summer, but Eugenia had her way as she usually did. Her influence over Lloyd was growing stronger every day.
busily talking with rob as they followed along betty did not notice where they were going until the strumming of a banjo and loud singing drew her attention to the fact that they were almost upon the gypsy camp oh we mustn't go in here she called in alarm seeing that the other girls were dismounting and the boys were hitching their ponies along the fence why asked joyce pausing in the act of springing from the saddle godmother said we mustn't not an hour ago she said it wasn't a proper place for us and that she wouldn't think for a moment of allowing lloyd to come when she saw that we were disappointed she planned an entertainment for us to-night and we agreed to it both of us eugene and i eugene knows she did there were some very curious glances exchanged in the little group and the boys drew to one side leaving girls to settle the matter between them eugenia darted a glance at betty that would have withered her if it could for goodness sake don't make such an everlasting fuss about nothing she exclaimed come on it will be all right but eugenia interrupted lloyd if mother said i couldn't go that settles it she didn't tell you did she asked eugenia no but if she told you it's just the same but she didn't tell me persisted eugenia grown desperate to carry out her own wishes and not stopping at the truth i'll tell you how it was putting an arm around lloyd she drew her aside it's all elizabeth's imagination she protested in a low tone i never saw such a little silly for making mountains out of molehills she's such a frayed cat that she wouldn't look behind her if a fly buzzed now you know lloyd that as particular as i am i wouldn't think of going anywhere that wasn't proper any more than your mother would i'll take the responsibility i'm sure i'm old enough and it's all right for us to go when three big boys are with us the others could not hear what passed between the two eugenia coaxed and wheedled and snared by turns and finally lloyd yielded and they all started in all but betty she waited in the lane alone riding up and down up and down for ages it seemed to her waiting for them to come back in reality it was not quite an hour that she kept her solitary vigil in the lane as she rode back and forth she could catch glimpses of eugenia's pink dress inside the tent where they were all gathered around the old fortune-teller now and then she heard voices and laughter and it gave her such a lonely left-out feeling that she could scarcely keep back the tears she knew that the others thought she was fuzzy and over-particular and that helped to make her drowsily uncomfortable the fretful wail of a sick baby sounded at intervals from the tent the banjo-playing had stopped on their arrival it was nearly noon when the six children came straggling out of the tent i wouldn't have missed it for anything said eugenia triumphantly betty was a goose not to go wasn't she why betty she told me my whole past and even described the three girls that go with at school i'm to have a long life and lots of money and to be married twice and she told me to be aware of a fleshy dark person with black eyes who's jealous of me and will try to do me harm what did she tell you joyce asked betty eagerly feeling that she had missed the great opportunity of her life for lifting the veil that hid her future she said that i'd been across a big body of water and was going again but the rest was a lot of stuff that i didn't believe and can't remember she didn't give me a dollar's worth of fortune complained rob not by a long shot 
he had paid his own way and now thought regretfully of the two circuses to which the squandered dollar might have admitted him let's not tell anybody we've been here suggested eugenia as they started homeward it will make it so much more romantic to keep it a secret we can wait and see what comes true and tell each other years afterwards but i always tell mother everything cried the little colonel in surprise she would enjoy hearing the funny fortunes the old woman told us and i'm sure if she knew how sick that poor baby is she'd send it something she's always helping poor people but i have a special reason for keeping it a secret urged eugenia promise not to say anything about it for a while anyhow wait till i'm ready to go home why asked lloyd with a puzzled expression she's afraid for godmother to know said betty unable to control her tongue any longer and still smarting with the recollection of some of the things with which eugenia had answered her refusal to go into the camp with them it is no such a thing cried eugenia it was all right for us to go and i have a private reason of my own for not saying anything about it for a while it's a very little thing to ask and i'm sure that as a guest of lloyd's it's a very little thing for her to do to respect my wishes that much oh of course if you put it that way said lloyd i'll not say anything about it till you tell me that i can you boys don't mind promising either do you asked eugenia flashing a smile of her black eyes at each one in turn cross your heart she cried laughing as they gave their promise and swear really truly blackly bluely lay me down and cut me truly that you won't tell joyce laughingly followed the boy's example and eugenia gave a significant smile towards betty riding on alone in dignified silence then it's all right she exclaimed loud enough for her to hear that is if miss goody goody doesn't feel it her duty to run and tell betty was too angry to make any answer she rode on with her cheeks burning and her head held high miss sherman was sitting in the wide cool hall when the little party stopped at the steps the boys had ridden down the avenue too and dismounted to speak to her i've left invitations for you all to come to dinner to-night she said as malcolm and keith came up to shake hands your aunt allison has consented to play fortune-teller for us have you ever had your fortune told rob you are to come too yes once answered rob cautiously catching a warning look from eugenia it wasn't very satisfactory though and i'll be glad to try it again such a flush had spread over the little colonel's face that miss sherman noticed it i'm afraid you've ridden too far in this noonday heat little daughter she said you'd better go upstairs and bathe your face the boys took their leave and lloyd escaped from her mother's watchful eyes to follow her advice when she came down to lunch the flush was gone from her cheeks but there was an uncomfortable pricking of her conscience that stayed with her all that afternoon and deepened steadily after miss allison's arrival End of chapter 8 Recording by Ellie Marie Hoftenquester